Okay then, ladies and gentlemen, if we can make a start. Um, I understand that uh, we haven't got the, the, the broadcasting fully set up, but we will do it as we can. First of all, can I have apologies for absence and declarations of any interest? Okay. Before I go any further, I understand that Councillor Dean was, would like to make a statement, which, and also Councillor Hargreaves wants to say something, with regarding the membership of this committee. Well, in a way, it, f it fits under, Chairman, it fits under declarations of interest, because uh, I only realised this morning that we have five members of this committee, of this committee who have an interest in that they are members of the cabinet uh, and there is opinion and it's my opinion a clear conflict of interest there and, and, and I think it's in breach of conventions that uh, you can't audit yourself uh, and members of the cabinet are responsible for most of the business that comes to this committee. Um, so, so in my opinion uh, those members Unfortunately, this is not a personal thing. It's purely about convention, proper convention and separation of responsibilities shouldn't be sitting here as, as members of the committee. They, I think the normal convention is, and it applies also with the scrutiny committee that I used to chair, that members of the um, cabinet would be invited where there are matters that were being discussed that were within their responsibility. Um, so I, I, I'm really concerned that we've got off to this unfortunate start uh, with the new council with whether it's a genuine mistake or misunderstanding I don't know in a way that doesn't matter it's, it's where we are and I, I'd, I'd be interested to know where this is how this is being addressed Mr Chairman thank you we are going to take the five um, cabinet members uh, off this committee. Obviously, slightly unfortunate, we had to rejig things. Uh, we did check beforehand that uh, within the constitution it was all fine because the, um, we knew we weren't allowed on standards or scrutiny. Um, hadn't quite appreciated that the, that the SIPFA guidelines say. Uh, bad idea for any cabinet members to be on that. So as it stands at the moment, uh, the advice uh, from the legal officer is we, we, we're not actually in breach of the constitution, we just carry on just for the minute, but we will get that altered uh, and that will come back to the next uh, available full council to be, to, be, uh, to be rectified. So my apologies for that, it's not, not, not brilliant, but... Uh, we will alter it. Councillor, so I, I don't really want to take any more on, on this because, as I understand from Councillor Hargreaves, the five members will not be here yeah, for the next I meeting. That. I just want to very briefly say something. Yes. Um, yeah, I set what Councillor Hargreaves says. Uh, uh, I think uh, Councillor Dean, myself, and our group want to be critical friends. We, we wish the administration well in, the, uh, in respect of the Uddlesford. And it, it does seem surprising that our group has got quite a few experienced councillors and we know, and you know, Chairman, that I was a member of this committee last time and 
it was a matter of course that the portfolio holder for finance, Councillor Howe, would often be here, but it was clear that he was in attendance. Councillor Susan Barker and her portfolio was here, but it was clear that it was attendance. So I really don't understand because some of the key members of the Cabinet served as members of this Council, the last Council. And if they're not sure about how the proceeding, I'm sure my colleague, Councillor Dean, would only be ha too happy to give some advice. Um, and we can avoid this. And it was not necessary. It was avoidable. I read out at the beginning to our external auditor um, the guidance given by SIPFA. And it was quite clear to many experienced councillors that you should not stack this committee with members of the executive. So it's not a good start, as you quite rightly say. Um, I, I clearly, I, I appreciate this was done um, in, wasn't done intentionally, uh, but it could have been avoided. So there are people here who have served as Council Dean has been leader of the council in the past who have been around for some time, and uh, it's, it's not just sort of the current administration; it's the way that it potentially affects with the general public as well, the standing of the council. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Sell. So we won't take that any further. I think Councillor Hargreaves has given his undertaking that the five members of the Cabinet will not be with us at the next meeting. Right now, then, item two, minutes of the previous meeting. These are to consider the mean, me, minutes of the previous meeting. Is they approved? Any comments? If not, I'll have those signed later on. Number three. Three is external audit, BDO, LLP, verbal update. Now, this is to receive a verbal update from the external auditor who spoke to us earlier. And uh, if you would like to give us a verbal update, we'd be pleased to hear it, where we are. Thank you. Just a very brief update, hopefully to bring us back on track in terms of timing after having spoken too long earlier on. Um, it's a very brief update. We have done some interim work. Uh, you've seen the audit plan. Uh, we are starting in earnest. Um, uh, from, uh, from within next week when the accounts are produced um, and uh, everything at the moment seems to be on track for reporting to you uh, towards the end of July um, with our completion report which I mentioned during our um, pre-training session. So I haven't got anything else to add at this stage. Adrian. Uh, if, if I can Chair, just to say that the process is that we have until 31st of May to prepare the draft accounts for 1819. They were published yesterday and are now with the auditors. So we're up to, up to, up to we've done the necessary, we've got all the work done and congratulations to your, your staff Thank you. for the work done. If there's nothing, nothing else, we'll move on to item Four, the draft annual governance statement for 2018-19. This is a report that has to go with our accounts and form part of them. And it's a, a living document. So what you're seeing here may not be what the final, it gets into the final accounts. Um, Sheila, would you like to comment? Yes, thank you, Chair. I'll, I'll very briefly introduce myself. I'm, I'm Sheila Bronson. I'm the Internal Audit Manager. I run the Internal Audit Team here. Um, you'll see quite a lot of the Internal Audit Manager at this committee. I bring a, a number of reports. I won't go into all the details because 
you'll yes, you'll get used to seeing seeing me here. I think over the next few meetings. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, well, yeah, on the annual governance statement, um, yes, this is the draft statement. It's published to, to complement the, the draft statement of accounts. It looks back over the year 1819, um, and it, it, it details the various governance arrangements that we've got in place. It will, it, um, is something that, as uh, the chair rightly says, it's a living document. Um, there are paragraphs in it that are likely to be reviewed and slightly updated before the publication of the final accounts in July. It also goes to the external auditor for them to, to look through as well. Um, we also have got a huge list of evidence prepared ready for them if they wish to see any of it to, to support all the statements that we have in there. But I'm happy to take any questions. Okay. Uh, Councillor Dean. I have a um quite a few points that I'd like to raise and the, the first one relates to paragraphs 3.9 and 3.10 on page 3 which actually pick up the, the matter that we were discussing earlier because paragraph 3.9 talks about the scrutiny committee being a primary counterbalance to the executive or, or the cabinet um, and essentially the role of scrutinizing executive functions. Now the, the, the following paragraph, 3.10, refers to this committee. It doesn't, it's not actually written in the same way and I think in view of what we were discussing earlier on, I think it ought to be uh, changed to include the same sort of matter because and particularly the audit function, I think the performance function that this committee is there to scrutinize the performance of services and the, and, and the accounts and therefore it's the same function in terms of finance and service performance and I think we ought to uh, identify in here that the, the council understands uh, that and, you know, and therefore that, that executive members or cabinet members would not sit on the committee and be auditing themselves in effect. So it hasn't, it's not something that had occurred to me before, but in view of the present situation, I think it ought to be um, changed in that respect. Um, can I then also refer to paragraph th 319, which refers to the memorandum of understanding that was signed off between the scrutiny committee that I chaired until April um, and the executive um, I, I would hope that, well I'm not quite sure who's going to uh, oversee and scrutinise that, but there were a lot of recommendations that came out of um, an audit that we had, the scrutiny committee had, which was an external audit from the, a national organisation, that, that that needs to be followed through. Uh, and I, I'd, I'd like to put that point on, on record as former chairman of the standards committee, uh, of the um, um, scrutiny committee that that is important work that should be followed through and not lost um, because there were well I, I won't go into detail I think it's inappropriate now um, can I can I there's a, whilst you're speaking can you finish with your other points yes um, bear with me um, I'm sure I'm sure members at some stage will want to 
address the point that comes up under 3.2.4, and this is about members of the Cabinet forming the shareholder board at Aviva. I know we had lots of discussion in the old council of what, what the governance arrangements were, um, so that's something that, uh, that I hope the council in some place, and probably here, in my opinion, needs to come back to, to address the, the for, for those members who weren't here in the old council, we, we agreed a piece of work in principle in the old council, which then needs to be worked out and worked through now that we've got the new council. So again, that must not be lost. I think, uh, apart from the fact that there's a a spelling mistake, which I won't uh, spell out now, but uh, let somebody know after the meeting. Um, and bear with me. The, the, I notice here that there's reference to complaints, and I'm now on page 12, at the top of page 12. There's reference to complaints and ombudsman, the ombudsman regarding training of senior managers in holding of complaints. What I didn't spot here was um, a matter that kept coming up last year or the year before, and that was how the council handles freedom of information requests, because I, I do recollect in the last two years there were several freedom of information requests that got lost in the, in the system, and I, I understood that some form of rigorous um, tracking system have been put in place. I don't know whether that's happened. It may well be that that's been reported and, and, and dealt with, but I'm, I'm raising it because it seems to me it falls into the same category. Those are, those are my points, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, uh, Mr. Orty would like to raise a couple of points. Just to give um, members some further information on a couple of the points that Councillor Dean has raised. Um, while I uh, I don't know where um, Sheila uh, specifically got the wording from for the sections on the um, scrutiny committee and the audit committee. Um, a scrutiny committee has to be in place at a local authority uh, which is running a cabinet system that is stipulated in the Local Government Act and that is why um, it is in there specifically uh, in terms of uh, no executive membership. This committee is not designated a scrutiny committee uh, under terms of our constitution. It, that designation was changed when it took on the additional responsibilities with regard to electoral um, and constitutional matters. So that's why it's not explicitly mentioned in there. And I think as Councillor Hargreaves said earlier, the um, constitution doesn't actually state that executive members can't be uh, on this committee, although as uh, has been explained, it is in the SIP for guidance. So I think that's probably why there is mention in one section of the uh, document um, and not in the other. Uh, and as for the uh, memorandum of understanding, that is going as part of a report to the first meeting of the scrutiny committee, uh, along with the recently published statutory guidance from the Ministry for Local Government on scrutiny functions. No, that's fine. I'd just like to say that I understand the history behind the, the, the first matter that I was talking about comparing scrutiny with here. I do think that this recent matter has thrown up question marks about the, the relative um, or the relationship between the executive and this committee, and I, I do think we need to think it through, um, not do it on the hoof, because I think we, we must avoid 
whether it's our own constitution or whether it's SIPFA or whatever, I think we need to bear in mind what recently happened. Okay. Unless there is any other... Yes, Councillor Sell. Thank you. I, mean, I, I, I think the committee will need to decide as to how proactive it will be, need to be on the governance, whether one waits for Mrs Bronson to present her report this time next year or whether, in the light of comments I'm going to make, it needs to do anything before, before that. I'm going to read out, with your permission, Chairman, five numbers. Out of those five numbers, one of them relates to Uttersford. The other four do not. And I'll leave it to colleagues uh, if they can spot which one is Uttersford. So, uh, five, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Five, seven, eight, nine, and ten. From low to high. What are they referred to? They refer to the size of the cabinet. The lowest is Chelmsford, five, which is, like us, planning to go to a committee system. Seven is South Cams. First two, as you may realise, are both Lib Dem administrations. Harlow, eight. Braintree, nine. Uttersford, ten. I shared the administration's aspirations to go to a committee system. I share their, their aspirations of, to remove the cabinet. But I am very concerned that when this committee meets this time next year to look at Mrs Bronson's statement as to whether we can unequivocally say that we have got that good governance. So we'll not go on to much longer, but I'm just pointing that out, flagging it up for this committee, that Uttersford has gone up to the maximum. I realise that the special responsibility allows pots are being changed, but then there's a lack of transparency about that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if any of my colleagues know as to what the SRAs are going to be now, and that's a point regarding to the remuneration panel. Again, it's a convention, and these conventions may be overturned, but it has been a convention of the council ever since I've been a member that the panel's reviews are honoured because they're an independent review panel. Uh, Council, the former leader, uh, Councillor Rolfe, did say uh, that you may recall the last panel meeting he was uh, concerned about the 1% increase for members falling behind that of inflation. But nevertheless, we honoured that. And what I don't know is, uh, as I say, I don't know what cabinet members will be receiving because it's not being communicated. Uh, Councillor Hargraves did say about that not being a good start. And, and any administration has got 100 days of making a difference. There are some own goals, I think. Thank you. Can I now put the recommendation that the members approve the draft annual governance statement? Those in favour? Please. please don't vote if you are a substitute, unless you are officially substituting for a member of the committee. on your report? Yes, uh, yes, thank you Chair. This is one of the regular reports that the internal manager brings to um, this committee. 
Um, it does. It looks back on the work that we've been doing over a specific period, back to the last time I reported. I will also give you slight updates because obviously the time needed to prepare the reports for um, committee means that there's always a little bit of an update that may be needed. Um, for, the, for those members who are not um, are new to this committee and, and possibly new to things the way that we've been working internal audit here. Uh, over the past, the previous year, there were some resource issues within internal audit. I personally was seconded to doing the GDPR um, data protection work for quite a long time and also unfortunately had some um, absence issues within my team, which has meant that whereas normally we would look to have finished our audit work that we will hope to do between in 2018-19 by the 31st of March, we've not been able to, um, but we are extending that to the end of June. I do, this is in the report, I'm hoping people have had the opportunity to read it. Um, I, I am fairly confident that we will be able to complete everything that we're hoping to complete by the end of, uh, of June. We're, we're well on, on sort of target. <coughs> um, we've got, um, I think it's 10 reports still, um, or 10 audits still to finish. One actually has, since this report now been finished, two are at review stage, two are the draft report sitting with managers waiting for their final si signs off. One's work in progress, three were just about to start on, and one's very close to review stage, so I think we're, we're getting there. At the moment, I'm still one member of, of staff down. I have a new member of staff starting next month, so and hopefully she will literally hit the ground. No, not literally, but she will hit the ground running. Um, and, and we will be, as I say, hopefully on, on target then to get everything finished by, by the end of June. Also within this report, um, it just within the appendix, it gives details of final reports that have been issued, and you all would have received an email from me recently. I do copy members of this committee in with a copy of all final reports that we've issued and the terms of reference as well that were issued for that report. So you can have a look at what we've been looking at and, and what the outcomes are. And also where we've made recommendations, um, we use a, a system, a, a, a risk level system for the recommendations that we make. If it's a level four, we feel that something has to be looked at immediately and implemented. Level three, within the next sort of six months, I think is the way we look at it, then we have a level two and a level one, it grades down. So I always like to also report back to members on level three and level four recommendations that have been made in that period. So the ones reported here relate to previous reports that have been issued. Um, that's about it really. I am happy to take any questions from members on, on this report. Any comments on Sheila's report? If not, we will note it and we'll move on to the Sheila's next report. And this is the draft internal audit program for 2019-20. The recommendation is that the members approve the proposed draft internal audit work program for 2019-20 and consider any additional areas for internal audit during 1920. Um, I think one of the things with, because of this problem we have at the moment, Sheila, where we're stopping this year, mm -hmm. three months late. You'll be looking at a nine-month program because otherwise we'll just get into a, a, a worse situation. Absolutely, Chair. Um, um, 
I, I mean, this, this report so details the, the way the calculation is worked out to approximately the number of days that we have um, for audit work. It is taking into consideration the amount of time we're spending in this financial year on last year's work, plus um, the member of staff not starting until next month. But um, so where there is a nice long list of all the areas we would like to have a look at, um, we do, do try and do this. We do it on a risk base. So there are areas we feel that really need to be looked at, working our way down again using the same 4-3-2-1 measure of risk. Um, we don't expect to look at all these areas. Um, some of these are on there because we're still looking at them in this year's audit, oh, sorry, 2018-19 audit, um, if there are outcomes from those audits that we feel need to be followed up, then we will do, so they'll be added into the plan, but otherwise um, we are unlikely to have to do any more work on, on them in that way. There are, we, with, we don't, in internal audit, um, just concentrate on the finance side of things. We will look at what we call the key financial audits. We do that on a three-year cyclical basis. So on this one, this plan or program, we've got um, some from our, the third year, actually, of the cycle now. So we will be looking at those in some detail. Um, it, but again, it will depend on... If the last time we looked at them, there was not a lot of problems identified, we will go back and we will talk to people, see if there's been any major changes of staff or system. And if not, then the amount of time we'll spend on that will probably be quite low. Whereas other areas that are on the plan aren't key financials, but they've come in because there have been service changes or there have been new things come in. So it's all still very, I say vague, as the amount of time we're going to need to spend on each audit which will also dictate the number of audits that we, we get through. But the important thing is that at the end of the year, we will have done enough work in the nine months to be able to provide enough assurance on what we've looked at to be able to then to make sort of proper comment that's included in the annual governance statement and also a report that I bring to the next meeting um, of this committee, which is my annual report and opinion, which actually then details what we've done over the year and, and what my annual um, opinion is on how the council's controlled things. Thank you. <laughs> is there any comment? Councillor Dean. I'd like to. Mr Chairman, thank you. I'd like to refer to page 37 where there's a, a table um, and the, the one going down the left-hand column uh, under Directorate Corporate Services um, no, I'm sorry, governance and legal. It refers to members, allowances and expenses. I, by one means or other, either th through this audit or through other mechanisms of the Council, I'm not quite sure, I, I want to raise this question that Councillor Sell referred to, which is about the special responsibility allowances for Cabinet members. Um, as we've already heard, the number of cabinet members is, uh, has been increased from six to ten um, under the situation that was agreed at the council meeting in December last year uh, on the advice of the remuneration panel. Then there is a fixed special responsibility allowance for cabinet members. That's fine. Um, 
I have nevertheless heard informally that the, the, the idea may be to pool those six allowances and then divide them by ten. Uh, my concern is that it needs to go through a proper process, that you know, we can't have members uh, behind closed doors making special deals and fiddling with the figures. Um, Mr. Webb may well be able to answer this because I did make some inquiries earlier, but uh, all I'm saying is that I, I think that any, any, all our procedures should follow the proper procedure, which in this case involves a remuneration panel and then, and then full council. Uh, there may be an answer already, in which case Mrs. Bronson needn't do a, a drains up, uh, but I'm, I'm raising it so it's not forgotten, also okay. that it's done properly. I'll ask uh, Mr. Webb if he could like to comment yeah. on that. Yes, thank you, Chair. You yes. Councillor Dean did raise this with me this afternoon, so I've done, I've done a bit of looking. Um, so Councillor Dean is correct that the 1920 scheme of allowances sets the Cabinet members' allowances, and for this year that's £6,243.01. However, Part 6 of the Constitution, Paragraph 4, provides that a councillor may elect to forego any part of his or her entitlement to an allowance under the scheme by giving notice in writing to the Chief Exec. And that is what's happened. The Deputy Leader and eight Cabinet members are writing to the Chief Executive at the moment for going 45% of their entitlement, which effectively funds the increased number of Cabinet members and results, as the Leader said, at full council in a small saving of £546.15 compared to the cost of Cabinet last year. So I hope that... Th thank you for that explanation. I didn't know one could forego part of rather than all or nothing. Thank you. Can I ask through you, Chairman, Mr. Webb, has the independent, was the independent review remuneration panel consulted? I'm quite aware that it is possible to forgo allowances and Councillor Lodge, the leader, did say that it was kept within the, or perhaps lower than last year, and I, I understood what he said and accepted that. My question is, very simply, before this decision has been taken, is the Independent Review Remuneration Panel aware of this? If not, it should be. I think we're getting away from the internal audit report, but I will allow Mr. Webb to answer that question. Yeah. I'm, I'm not aware that the independent panel were involved in this, but as I say, the constitution allows members to do that, and the members in question have elected to do that. So that's the situation as far as I'm aware. I would like to say for the record for the minutes, um, our John Lodge checked all of this stuff before he decided. We all discussed it. We all knew. Uh, we're all aware that we're taking a pay cut. Nobody's doing it for any pay. Um, John did all the, the relevant uh, looking at it before the decisions were made. Um, that, that's the end of it, really. Sorry, this is not part of the internal audit. And I will move now to the recommendation that the members approve the proposed draft internal audit programme for 1920 and consider any additional areas for internal audit work during 1920. Those in favour? Please show. We will now move on to item 7 and welcome Nicola Whitman, who is our Assistant Director of ICT and Facilities. 
it, in the recommendation that there are summaries that the council is required to regularly report the, the work undertaken on cyber security. This is the first of a regular six-month update to this committee on, this, on the position to date. It is recommend, the recommendation is it's recommended the committee notes the update and, and appoints a member of the committee as the lead member responsible for oversight of cyber security. I will be asking for a nomination when we get later on. Thank you, Chair. Um, so this is new to this committee. It's come about because the LGA, Local Government Association, did a stock take last August. They've looked at every single council in England and looked at their cyber arrangements to try and improve it. Um, from this, they gave everybody a RAG rating and we came out amber, amber. We've got an amber, amber because they had so many ambers, they then had to cut the ambers in half and do amber green, amber, amber and amber red. So that's how we've ended up with amber, amber. Um, the majority of councils came out as amber, amber. Actually, 90% of them did. Um, the larger councils were an exception, particularly the councils up north that had spent a lot more money on IT and have come out with green ratings. Um, the council's score for our score was 50 to 64. If we'd got 65 to 79, or a couple more points, we'd have got a green. So we were at the top side of it. Um, the reds that we've got came from business continuity corporate plans. So it was just things like um, we needed more cyber arrangements put into the corporate continuity plans. Um, we've done an awful lot of work since August, um, and they will be reviewing again next August, which we're hoping to go green. Um, we are working with the National Cyber Centre Services to try and improve our score. And we will also be working towards the cyber essentials qualification because um, we won't be doing the 27,001 due to cost. Um, a lot of the reds have already been addressed and we will be continuing the work ongoing for the next few years. Um, thank you very much. Any questions? Councillor Lees. No, sorry, I've All right. Councillor Dean, I think you, you, you've got your, yours, is, or is that flashing by no, mistake I, as well? I, I said I wouldn't go into a spelling mistake, but I, as this is a numerical committee, I'll point out the fact that the table in paragraph 11 adds up to 101%. It, I, I also spotted that. That is not us. That's the Local Government Association's um, chart. So, yes, it is roundings, and it annoys me tremendously when they can't work out how to round. Right. Um, as, as I say, it is the recommendation, we note the report, which I'm sure I get the impression we are doing, but and we need to appoint a member of the committee as the lead member responsible for the oversight of cyber security. This is one of the red points that uh, our officer is trying to fight against. Uh, I, well, we, we haven't, Chairman, but given that um, five members here, four of the five here tonight won't be here in the next meeting, it may be wise to bring this forward as an action for the next meeting at the end of July, but we must resolve it in July because, as Nicholas said, the next review is in August, and literally this is one of the reds, is because we don't have a lead member. There's no great responsibility on them, it's just being able to, for Nicola to be able to say to a member, this is what we're doing, these are the issues we've had, we're not asking you to become cyber security experts. 
but uh, Can I pass it over to you? Thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, as um, Councillor Oliver said, we bring this twice a year to the committee and it literally just talks you through some of the bigger, high-value contracts that we've got. I won't go into too much detail. Um, I was just going to say that um, on here we have two um, contracts, over 50,000 that have been awarded through the tendering process, and that was for our refuse vehicles, which will start rolling in, so to speak, between, um, I think, July and October. So you'll see a new fleet on the road, because our current ones are at the end of life. And also for um, disabled adaption kitchen and bathroom contracts. So they've both been awarded. On the kitchen and bathroom contracts, we have um, separated the contract out of it so that we can focus on um, some sort of smaller local businesses to be able to them to cope with the work, which we thought was, was quite a good thing. Um, the other thing that this report actually gives you is the exception requests. Now, exception requests are where we award a contract without going through the normal contract procedure rules. The reason we do this is if there's exceptional circumstances to that contract. And, for example, um, in here we have got, I mean, one of the typical ones, it's not on this one, it will be on the next report, but it's for the castle because it's highly specialised work. So and we're on phase three, so to do phase one and two with one contractor and then try and tender for a third, it makes it tricky. Um, so, and also we've got one on here, a consultancy appointment for the local plan progress. So that person has been sort of working through and we do them in two sections on these appendices, A and B, where one is under 50,000 exceptions. Um, so that's the updates on sort of like the bigger high-value contracts that have happened in the previous six months. The only other thing I'd bring your attention to is normally we would prepare a, a procurement strategy um, as part of budget setting. We actually withdrew this from the budget setting process this year because um, historically it's, it's always looked a bit like a work plan rather than an actual strategy. Um, and the LGA have put together a national procurement strategy and they've worked with lots of local authorities about what, would, what would we would benefit from, from having that. So we've benchmarked ourselves against this and looked at it and um, what it does, it assesses local authorities under sort of minimum developing mature leader and innovator in certain categories. I think they also use those categories within the equalities and diversity tests. So... Um, and it takes you through all the different things you can do and it has three themes which are showing leadership, behaving commercially and achieving community benefits. They're then broken down into smaller sort of workable programmes. So um, what we're doing now to sort of move away from this whole sort of action plan, service plan, we are going to look at the strategy and bring it back to members later in the year. That's it really. Thank you. Thank you. I missed the point there. That is set out on page 51. <laughs> so it's, it is there. The content of the report. Are people happy with that? We'll move on to the 
agenda item nine, which is the performance indicator report quarter four eighteen nineteen and year end eighteen nineteen, and uh, the author is Paula, Paula and Oliver, Oliver Knight. Um, the report is there in front of you, and uh, the recommendations. There is no, no recommendation. Who's going, to, who's going to speak to it? Right. Okay. So this it, this report presents the quarter four 2018-19 and also year end 2018-19 outturn and data analysis for all key performance indicators and performance indicators. Um, just before I begin, there's been a significant change in the way that the report is structured. Previously, we've had quite lengthy tables, but now we've defined it back down to service areas, and we've found it's more effective in providing both the general public and also members with more of an understanding of how particular service areas are performing effectively. Um, data for the majority of KPIs and PIs is collected and reported on a quarterly basis, um, but also within the report there, are, there is the data for indicators that are collected on a half-yearly and also an annual basis as well. Regardless of the frequency, all outturn data is in bold in the tables at the end. Um, for comparison purposes, the report contains data from quarter 4, 18, 19, as well as the previous four quarters, so you can see a quarterly comparison. But there's also a yearly comparison, which is aided by the outturn for 2017, 18 as well. Um, all data and performance notes have been reviewed by our corporate management team here. Um, so just a brief overview, really, of the attainment for quarter 4, 18, 19 and year end. Um, overall, it can be seen that for both, both time periods that the majority of indicators are meeting their target. Um, for quarter 4, there's 71% of indicators that are attaining target. However, at year end, there's only 61%. Um, we've had a bit of discussion within both the senior management team and also within the corporate management team about some of the reasonings for that slight discrepancy. Um, there is some... PIs that tend to have seasonal differences and trends that whereby, say, quarters two and four tend to achieve, whereas quarters one and three do not, and that is something that service managers are looking at addressing. Um, and the other reasoning for that as well is we've got some annual performance indicators where we just monitor it on an annual basis, and some of those are tending to hit an amber target. So again, we are looking at working with service managers to monitor, monitor those on a more regular and structured basis so that it's not just at the end of the year that we see how it's doing, that we might even do it on a quarterly or a half-yearly basis, effectively. Um, comparing quarter four, 18-19, to quarter three, 18-19, there's been a significant increase in the amount of performance indicators that are attaining targets. There's actually 10% more. Quite a few of actually the, the main KPIs, such as KPI 03, which is the amount of business rates collected, and also KPI 05, the amount of council tax collected. Both of those have transferred from an amber up to a green status. Um, indeed, there are, still, there are a couple of KPIs, though, that have exceeded the 10% performance threshold, and what that effectively means is that they are more than 10% below their target. Um, so the first one of these is KPI 08A, which is the average relet time in days for all relets. Um, this has been something that's been discussed at gap meetings before, and in, indeed, as a result of that, I believe a report on housing voids went to the housing board for further discussion. Um, but officers within, within the year 1920 are still continuing to closely monitor this indicator and are proactively working to improve performance. Indeed, as well, KPI 12, which is the processing of planning applications for minor applications, um, I think there's been quite a lot of 
this indicator has had a fairly difficult journey over the time, but again, officers have got, I believe, an improvement plan in place at the moment, um, so they're proactively working to improve performance of this indicator as well. Um, the performance team, so myself and Paula, will be uh, undertaking further analysis of all outturn data, particularly for the year end. What um, we are looking to do, and we've discussed it both with senior management team and the corporate management team, is trying to ensure that the data presented here is not merely just reported and left, but instead we act upon it and we look at what areas of improvement there could be. And indeed, if there has been a downward trend, we look at what might happen if that was to happen again within 2019-20. So it's almost an early warning indicator for service management. I mean, they probably are aware of something happening anyway, but it's just another... It's just another um, indication for them. And indeed, if members have got any questions regarding any of the data, or, I mean, there is a, quite a lot of data there, so if you've got any more specific questions or you'd like to see a more detailed analysis on any particular indicator, then please do not hesitate to contact myself or Paula about it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, any questions? Councillor Dean. I'd like to um, start off by congratulating some of the service areas and uh, in particular the corporate services directorate over time taken to process uh, housing benefit and council tax benefit I think that's an important uh, service and I'm glad it's uh, performing up to standard, up to standard. Uh, same goes with housing benefit on top of page, well they're not numbered, anyway, KPI 06B. Um, and, and also, it's really hum this is human resources, I'm pleased to see that we're, the council's doing well in terms of um, average numbers of days lost per employee. I think there was a time, I don't know, two or three years ago where there was a dip in terms of, or a, a peak in terms of sickness absence, and, and that seems to be under control now, and that's that's encouraging. Um, I'm not going to raise the question of uh, percentage of minutes of meetings being available within 10 working days, or I might get stabbed from my left-hand side. Um, so so I'll, 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 move, I'll move on um, and, and, and ask a question, if I might, about um, museum. Uh, and uh, you know, I have no idea about what might be expected at, at Saffron Walden Museum, but I see that we're, we're concerned about numbers of uh, visitors and, and whether the, the targets of, for instance, 14,000 are the right numbers. Why is it 14,000? Does anybody know? And, and uh, if so, it would be helpful just to know why we've got that particular target and I guess the, the other one that the only one that really concerns me is the fact that we're continuing to have poor performance in processing of uh, minor planning applications within eight weeks and I'm aware that there's been some work going on on that but are we really making progress in getting rid of the backlog and, and resuming a more steady uh, um, throughput I'll ask Mr. Orty if he'd like to answer a lot about the museum. I'd be delighted, Chairman. Um, so the, the figure of 14,000 is, is there because um, museum visitor 
figures have remained stubbornly around that sort of area for some years, um, and that is at the upper end of what we might expect, so it is set as a fairly challenging target. Now, you'll see from the next report that you're going to receive that we're actually changing the way that we measure um, museum figures for 1920 onwards anyway. Um, you'll still receive the number of people through the door, but we're basically combining these two indicators um, in order to give a more holistic view of the number of people who are engaging with the museum service, because increasingly there are people, so, you know, people through the door are very important, and that is the main element, but not the only element of the museum service. They also do a lot of work with researchers. They're taking collections out into the community through talks with groups, increasingly into schools as well. They're providing loan boxes for schools, and that's the way that young people can engage with the museum's collections. But, um, yeah, the visitor figures are 14,000. Um, uh, there is nobody, uh, including Councillor Sell, I'm sure, who's been on the Museum Management Working Group for some years, um, who, you know, there's nobody involved with the museum who wouldn't like to see that grow, um, and that is one of the main focuses of the um, lottery grant that we have recently received. Um, members who were here before the election will probably know about that already from reports to full council and through the members' bulletin. But we've got a £50,000 grant under the um, Heritage Lottery, well, not Heritage Lottery Fund, now National Lottery Heritage Fund, as it's now called, um, for some audience development study work, um, also to increase the fundraising capacity of the Museum Society and some other elements. And all of this is to help us understand better why people aren't visiting the museum as well as uh, why they are. And then following on from that, there will be a second larger bid to the lottery fund to um, use what we've learned from this first stage of work to um, re uh, display the entire museum to tell the story of Northwest Essex in a, in, in a better way and also extend the building itself as well to provide better accommodation for staff and therefore free up more space in the museum for more um, exhibit space. Councillor Sell. Just to concur with what Mr Orty has said, I have been a member of the muse museum management uh, subcommittee for some time and it's actually, I think I do share with Councillor Barbara Light, we both said it was the most enjoyable uh, committee in the last council that we were on because we're all there with the same mind. And of course, when you talk about the museum, you're also talking about our museum society, which does a lot of work. Uh, and Mr. Orty is quite correct to say that you just can't look at the museum just by the numbers of people coming in through the door. Of course we want to increase it, but increasingly they are doing a lot of outreach work, going into residential homes um, for people who've got dementia and w going helping other museums, whether it be in Ashton and whether it be in Dunmo. We've got a small team at the museum. Those new members who haven't been to the museum before, I would encourage you to go. And they've got a small team of professional staff there. And one of the things that I'm always encouraged by is by the amount of ideas that are coming through and the willingness to explore new things. And I took the view, and I know the former chairman did, perhaps Mr Orty does, I don't know, uh, the museum is jewel in the crown in Uddleswood and, and it's uh, sometimes comes under the radar. Yep. Can I just say on that quickly? Yes, I do share that view. Uh, but uh, also I believe there is going to be an offer of a visit to and tour of the museum sometime over the summer. Fine. Oh, 
just just quickly, Chair, uh, on Councillor Dean's other point around planning, um, members may or may not be aware, but 18 months ago, legislation was passed which enables us to charge an extra 20% on planning fees to be reinvested in the planning service. Over the last 12 months, um, we've done a lot of work around a peer review and implementing changes. However, we recognise that there was still backlog and still some issues. So approximately two months ago, the Chief Exec, Director of Public Services and myself authorised the recruitment of two additional planners to be paid for out of that 20%. They were interviewed, potential candidates were interviewed, I think last week or the week before, and I believe we've appointed the two posts. So hopefully, and they, because we tend to attract part qualified, they'll be dealing with the minor applications. So. Um, that should certainly start to improve shortly. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Webb. Can I just suggest that the committee keeps this under its uh, view? Keep an eye on this one because I think it is important to see whether the action actually results in improvement. Councillor Hargreaves, would you want to say? Yes, could I just ask on the peer review? I know it came to this committee and it was agreed it would be done, but it's not an audit reports, we're not getting a, any feedback from that. Is there a report that we might see that shows of the recommendations what has been uh, achieved and what may still need to be achieved? I, th I think this, yes, Councillor, this is something you raised with me, I think. Um, so I've spoken with colleagues and I think we'll be looking to pull together some things. Um, some of them was, some of the actions were superseded, but most of them have been completed in, in accordance with the timescale, but I think we'll get something. Uh, I wouldn't suggest we bring it back as a report to the next committee. Perhaps I'll get colleagues to circulate it. Thank you. I, there is no recommendation, so we'll move on to item 10. Uh, again, this is Mr. Knight. And uh, the recommendation is here that the committee approves the targets for 2019-20. And it's setting out the new targets for the key performance indicators. Mr. Knight. Oh, there we go. There we go. Right. Um, okay. This report presents the targets for all key performance indicators and performance indicators for the 2019-20 monitoring and reporting time period. Um, again, as per the previous report, this one has been structured again, so it's by service area, so as opposed to having lengthy tables of all KPIs and then all PIs. Um, the 2019-20 indicator targets have been originally proposed by service managers and have now been reviewed and agreed by the corporate management team. Um, we asked as part of the annual service planning and performance planning cycle and process that they also provide the targets for the following year as well. So we've asked them to provide the 2020-2021 targets as part of um, the annual uh, performance planning cycle. Now what we've done as in this report again, which I think is a new thing for this year, is where there has been a difference between the target that was proposed last year for this year and what is now being proposed at this particular period of time. We've asked the service manager to provide an actual explanation as to why there has been a change, whether that be a negative change or indeed a positive change in target. Um, so you'll see quite a few of those as sort of extra notes as you go through the different service areas in the report. Um, just There's just a few points I wanted to raise to do with um, some of the specific 
target for the indicator. So PIO7, which is the level of achievement under the Equality Framework for Local Government, data was last entered for this performance indicator for the 2014-2015 year, so it hasn't been used for the last few years, but the communities team are now reinstating this, and we are aiming to achieve a rating of achieving under the Equality Framework for Local Government for Equalities Work and Service Provision. Um, again, I, I explained earlier about KPI 08A, which is the average relet time in days, and indeed, um, we're going, the housing strategy team have decided to keep the performance indicator at the same level of the 42 days based upon current performance levels, but they are closely monitoring it and attempting to extend it as they can do. Um, KPI 14 as well, which is the percentage of household waste sent for reuse, recycling and composting. Now, the target for this has actually been reduced down from 53% in 2018-19 to 51% for 2019-20. Now, whilst that does represent a reduction, it's still stretching the target based upon what the performance outturn is, which is around 50%. So they will, in the future, try as much as they can to increase performance, but I think the, the actual the reduction in the target there does very much reflect the national trend, which is being experienced by a lot of local authorities, which may be the result of either product light weighting or indeed just increasing waste volumes generally. Um, now, just to run through the indicators that we've got that are new and also deleted. Um, so we've got one indicator that's going to be deleted, which is KPI 02, Customer Satisfaction with Services. Um, this particular performance indicator is going to be deleted because I, I believe the structure of it is that it follows the guidance of the Citizens Panel, which has now been disbanded. Um, and we're currently working as a performance team to look developing a new performance measure relating to particularly customer satisfaction with the, with the council services. Now, in terms of new indicators that we're introducing, um, as Richard Alter did explain earlier, we've got one... Uh, the, there's been a bit of a change in how the museum indicators are going to be reported. So we did originally have two separate ones, PI22 and PI45. One of them explicitly measured all users of the museum services, including those interacting digitally through website visits. Um, and one which was specifically more to do with actual visits on site. Whereas now we've got new PI49, which is going to be titled Users of the Museum Service, which will cover visitors to the museum and all people who engage with the services through, for example, outreach talks or talks within the community. Um, but it will not take into account the actual website visits. And indeed, a full breakdown of all users will still be reported, including the website and social media data, to the museum management working group on a, is it quarterly, but on a quarterly basis. Yeah. Um, we also have a new PI within the street services arena. Um, this new performance indicator, which is termed the attainment of a green for operator compliance risk score, has been introduced to assess the management of the vehicle services fleet in alignment with legislation. So the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency maintain a risk score for all operators, and we are going to aim to achieve a green, which is low risk effectively ongoing. Um, and finally, the, the, we've got two new indicators to do with the quality of application decisions for planning. So we previously had, and that's really it's to do with the percentage of appeals upheld effectively. So we used to have PI42, which is a percentage of planning appeals upheld, and that covered all applications. We're now going to delineate that a bit further. So we've got PI46 and 47, one which assesses the amount of appeals upheld for major planning, 
applications and one which assesses the percentage of appeals upheld for non-major planning applications. Um, so they will be assessed by measuring the amount of planning appeals upheld as a percentage of the total decisions made. And very much the reasoning for the change in this is so that we align with how the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government report their um, stats to do with planning appeals that have been upheld. And so effectively for, our, for the planning department, they will, it will enable further benchmarking ongoing for them. Okay. Thank you very much. Any queries? If not, I will... On, on page 3, PI 20, um, I, I question the um, significance of reducing a target by, I think, 1% in terms of IT help, call, help desk calls resolved within target. Uh, in other words, down from 97 to 96, I realize that that's in terms of the ones missed, it's... It's, it's going from three to four, but you know, is it, is it really worth fiddling around with one percent? Uh, and, and, and why, of course? Well, I think I'll, I'll pick that up, Chair, if I can. I mean, I think part of the role of the performance monitoring here isn't just looking at necessarily poor scores, but we have to also look at the high end of stuff. And this isn't going to directly answer your question, but attaining 97%, is that providing value for money? Should we be looking at what would a 95%, what would a 93%? You know, we, and I think you know, we are struggling to achieve 975 but is 97.5% too high anyway? You know, I mean, to achieve a very, very high standard, you need a lot of people. And so I think, I think this is a reality check here about the resourcing level within the service and the demand, because people need to remember that around IT, as other departments make changes, absolutely everything impacts on IT. IT runs many, many tens of services, and it's just, you know, there are eight people. And so there's no point in us putting 97 and a half and then failing to achieve it. We have to be realistic about what can be achieved with the level of staffing we've got. I, yeah, I understand the rationale there, and I think, I think with all of these targets, we ought to have um, reasons for doing it. It's a bit like the de debate we're having elsewhere over Section 106 agreements for the airport. Why are we going for certain things? You know, what is the rationale behind it? Um, so I, I, I very much support that, that approach. But, um, I mean, the other one that I didn't quite understand the rationale is on the next page about, we talked about the museum earlier, and it, I might have therefore misunderstood this. We were deleting two PIs, and we had a number previously which was 40,000 users, and now we've got a target of only 13,200 users. Uh, and and I, why are we only looking at that proportion? Again, I, I'm sorry, I, di I didn't catch all the rationale earlier on. I'd just like to understand. Yeah, it's because we've removed the um, web stats from the indicator. That's why they were having the effect of really distorting, well, not distorting that number, but the number became very, very high because of the number of people using the museum's website for whatever reason. So we've removed those. So this is the actual 
physical people, if you like, rather than virtual people engaging with the museum service. Well, that's a bit like, a, you know, a company saying, well, I've got a store and I've got an online service. I'm not interested in those online customers, even though they might be 75% of my business these days. So I, I just, you know, I, I just raise that as a question to be thought about rather than re requiring an answer. I, I think I might know. I have no other points. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Oh, Councillor Hargreaves. Just on the wording, is the two planning ones, the PI46 and PI47, that's the percentage of appeals upheld for major and for non-major planning. Can I suggest that the actual wording of that text make clear that, that is actually the percentage against the total number of uh, decisions made? Because on the face of it, um, getting it right within 1% on the minor looks unbelievably good. Uh, it just needs to, I know it is in the text underneath, but obviously in the description box, I think it needs to be made to make clear to save people asking that question in the future. Yeah, we can take that away and look at, we look at that wording. Yep. Then, if the, basically the recommendation is the committee approves the target for 2019-20, so as an approval, so that, that, that those approving it, please show. Thank you. That's passed. And I therefore, we get to the end of the agenda. I thank you for your attendance. I thank those who won't be coming again, but uh, I wish you all best of luck. <laughs>